Hello, and welcome to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Camuso Miller. I'm a public affairs professional in Washington, D.C., and I interview members of the media about their background, about how they got into journalism, and lots of other topics. The Friday Reporter is a PR Daily podcast. Check out PR Daily for ideas, inspiration, and trends on all things public affairs and to find the Friday Reporter podcast. Well, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter podcast. This week is uh, a a visit that I've been really looking forward to. Brian Howard is the deputy editor for Changing America, which is part of the Hill newspaper. They are... uh, they're building a tremendous brand and reporting on some really inspiring and thoughtful uh, issues. Brian, it's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Tell me, Brian, a little bit about uh, about you first, really, how it is you got started in, in journalism and how you ended up at The Hill. Sure. So I'm originally from the Midwest, uh, Michigan and Indiana. And when I went to college, I thought I was going to be a conservation biologist. So mm. I studied biology and geology. Mm-hmm. And I did research on birds, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed being outside, working in the field. Mm-hmm. But I found in college what I really enjoyed most was writing, really, uh, and ideas mm-hmm. and editing. I did a lot of uh, editing of um, other students that I knew, and I really enjoyed doing that. And so I decided to right after college, I took an internship, an unpaid internship mm-hmm. at E, the Environmental Magazine. It was in Connecticut, so mm-hmm. I moved uh, halfway across the country Wow! and started work there as an intern, and I just loved it. Mm-hmm. So I got to do writing, um, got to do a little editing, and I ended up staying there about six years, uh, kind of working up to the ranks, Right. Uh, became an editor there, and uh, had a really great time. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to study journalism academically so i went to columbia uh to get a master's in journalism nice um which was great great Mm -hmm. experience i really loved that oh yeah it's a great program too i mean it's obviously worldwide known and just tremendous reputation yeah i I really had a good time there Mm -hmm. Uh, really got to dive in on my skills uh, work on the craft of journalism uh, I learned multimedia there, mm-hmm. uh, which I'd always done some multimedia because mm-hmm. I'd always worked on print and online. Right. But there I really dove into video and learned to do flash and build websites. And so that was really good foundational experience. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you benefited from having reporting and, and learning sort of the craft of journalism before you went to J school? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I'd had a lot of practical experience, mm-hmm. uh, there were a few things that I had to uh, kind of adjust because I had learned uh, come up through magazines. So I had a very feature writing style. Mm-hmm. So when I had to write more newsy, quick turn stories, uh, it was a little bit of an adjustment. Yeah, sure. But it was a great background. Yeah. And so how much of that now, how much of that are you doing in terms of the multimedia space um, at the Hill, I want to get into, I want to talk specifically about Changing America because I love this. I love what you guys are doing. But do you do a lot of multimedia or you have a pretty big team there, I imagine, that probably does some of that as well? We do. Um, we have a lot of video. We have a, kind of a robust video department. Um, and it's a mix of different styles of video. Mm-hmm. We do kind of mini docs, which are pretty high quality, uh, a few minutes long, kind of deep dives. 
a lot of those are very solutions oriented mm-hmm. and about what other brands or companies are doing to kind of better the world. Yeah. So we're, we're really proud of those. Mm-hmm. We also do a lot of quick turn video, which is on our daily stories where it's um, almost like a video reading of the news. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So we get a lot of views on those. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Cause some people prefer to read and some people prefer to listen and some prefer to watch. So exactly. good for you to have sort of the all levels of, of what's, um, you know, what's of interest to your audience. You, uh, before you went to the Hill though, you took that conservation background and you were at, uh, you were at National Geogra- Geographic for a while. You were at some of these other really great, um, and well-known publications in that space. Yes. I was at National Geographic, uh, about nine years mm-hmm. and it was a wonderful experience I bet. I was here in Washington DC. And so I worked as a writer and an editor mm-hmm. uh, on all different types of content that Nat Geo covers. So uh, everything from dinosaurs to space, to history, wow. to environment. That's my career seems like tended a... to gravitate towards environment mm-hmm. um, overall. So I did do a lot of environment work there. Did you I travel? Think I dip my toes into other types of content. Oh, that's cool. But did you try? Did you travel at all with National Geographic? I did. Uh, I did some international trips, mm-hmm. uh, which is really exciting. Went to Brazil, Argentina, Antarctica, um, and I also did some regional and local travel as well. Right. Well, because when you think of National Geographic, I mean, it is. It's just everything, right? I mean, it's not just U.S. It's a little bit of what's happening all across the globe and it's got these great images and it just is such a um, such an interesting publication that continues to just be a tremendous resource. Um, and then from there, is that how you ended up at the Hill or did you have another stop off before that? Yes. After Natio, I went to work for the Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was excited about this new brand they were creating called changing America. Yeah. So talk and, to me, talk uh, to me a little bit about it. It's uh, very much not focused on politics and policy like mm-hmm. the rest of the hill is. Yeah. It's kind of adjacent to that coverage. Uh, it's supplemented uh, addition to that coverage. It's mm-hmm. very issues focused. Yeah. So it's around um, positive things that people are doing uh, around the planet, especially in America. And did you did that launch before COVID, or was that sort of a, did that start right around that time? We did. We launched uh, before COVID, mm. and uh, then we had to pivot relatively quickly, though. Yeah, uh, we were just a few months into publishing when uh, the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. So well, we'd always had health as sure. part of one of our pillars. Right, right, uh, right. So that was a big way in to the story for sure. us. What was the thinking, though? What was the thinking in creating that brand? Was there Was there a general interest in... Because so much of what's reported, not just at your publication, but all across the globe is sort of, you know, the the gloom and the doom, the, you know, if it's bleeding, it's leading all of the sort of the trite and overused phrases and uh, contractions that we that we address. But um, was there a feeling inside the newsroom that there was a real need and and, um, audience for that kind of hopeful reporting that you guys are doing? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We really want to make a difference. Um, and one of the things that's great about the Hill is it's politically balanced, politically neutral. Yes. And the audience is very much balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of conservative readers, a lot of liberal readers, uh, and kind of everyone in between. Yeah. So that's uh, kind of a rare opportunity. Uh, it can be a challenge, but it's also an opportunity today in the media landscape. That's Definitely. So fragmented. 
Yeah, because so many of them are not. Yeah, I could totally see that. Talk to me a little bit about um, some of the stories that you're particularly proud of, because you guys have done really, I mean, you're not just, I mean, I know that there was a lot of reporting on COVID and it was impossible for there not to be, but you guys have done some really incredible reporting on, on climate and on so many different avenues. Talk to me a little bit about some of those uh, pieces that you're especially proud of, things that I'd love to point out and, and uh, you know, send the audience to to go find and, and get into a little bit. Sure. One of the stories I am uh, especially enjoyed working on was uh, a piece about the advantages and disadvantages of online learning during the pandemic. Mm, I should read that. And uh, that's, we do a fair amount of education coverage. So mm-hmm. That's part of our mission. Um, and of course, education has been heavily in- influenced by the pandemic. Definitely. So uh, that story really got into the differences between uh, different age groups and how they learn and where online learning has advantages and where it has pitfalls. Mm-hmm. And that's one of our long tail popular stories. I'm sure that it is. Yeah. I feel like I've read so much about it, but this one I'm, I'm definitely going to go back and, and check out because I have two teenagers that live here um, and they were for 18 months, they were uh, learning online. So it was an interesting, uh, interesting time. And then, um, cause I'm sure that, and there's so many people like, uh, I also have, um, I visited with Joanne, uh, Levine, who is at uh, CQ roll call, who also is a parent of, uh, school age kiddos. And she, um, she herself, um, you know, sort of spoke up and spoke out over the course of time about, um, homeschooling. So it's, I'm sure that you had a lot of people paying very close attention to that, um, but what other things are you especially proud of? Because I, I really feel like you guys are really just cranking out this tremendous content that um, yeah, I've seen a few that I think are really tremendous. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I would say some of our stories around mental health and uh, autism we're really proud of. That's a, you know, a sector of the community that uh, we don't often get it right. The media, it feels like the media doesn't often get it right when covering autism. Interesting. So we've put a lot of emphasis on that. Um, we've recruited a few autistic writers as well uh, who are telling their stories directly. So we're excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, one story that was particularly sweet that we just did a day or a couple days ago um, was about how couples, a scientific study um, about how couples that have been married a long time, their heart rates actually sync up when they're near each other. Oh, that's interesting which we don't know a lot of the implications of what that means yet, mm-hmm. but it's an interesting finding. Uh, it's kind of a, a sweet story for the holidays. I think that that's a great, yeah, that's a great story. Um, I mean, you've also done some cool stuff about um, uh, a manuscript that Einstein had that was sold for millions and millions of dollars and some other, you know, sort of historical perspective Uh, pieces that I've enjoyed as well. So I just, I think you guys are just doing a great job. I feel like there are a lot of copycats too, which is always the sincerest form of flattery, right? When others start to do Mm -hmm. the same, but I especially appreciate it because, you know, we all, we all are, we're consumers of information and consumers of news. And for you all to be putting out these, um, you know, interesting and thoughtful perspectives. I thought so. It strikes me that you probably are not at all in really the breaking news business as much as you're sort of in the thoughtful research and um, and development process as it comes to these pieces. Is that right? 
Yeah, I think that's right. It's our writing tends to be a little bit more featurey, mm-hmm. um, more featurey than the rest of the hill, and uh, a little bit less focus on breaking news. Yeah, a lot of our content does have kind of a newsy hook, of course. Or yeah, reflects what's happening in the news, mm-hmm. uh, but it can be a little bit more news adjacent. Yeah, which is uh, great. We're not quite as worried about trying to be first to the big breaking news stories. But often because you have that time, it feels like you are new. It's it's still new and different and, and not anything I'm seeing anywhere else. Um, how big is your staff? You have a big staff working on those material. Are there are any of the other folks from the newsroom contributing or is it a dedicated only to uh, Changing America product? Our Changing America staff is about a dozen wow. people. That's great. We're, we're focused on that. Mm-hmm. And I think the one thing too about the products that you guys are putting out that that sort of um, stands out to me is that you know for for many many years newsrooms had uh, research divisions and and folks that really could sort of dive in and do that extra work and because of the shift and the adjustment in what the newsroom looks like a lot of times that has really so, sort of fallen away and even fallen to the PR people that are coming to you with stories to help say here's the research that we have. Um, to help educate and and get people to pay attention to those stories. It sounds like your folks maybe have, um, because they have a little bit more time, they may have a little bit more uh, of an opportunity to really dig in and dive deep to get to the, to the best possible um, reporting there too. Yes, absolutely. But I know that you and I have talked in the past and you've told me that, uh, that you are open to pitches too. So talk to me a little bit about what a pitch to the team there might might look like what kinds of stories are you all uh looking for i mean obviously good and newsy and um and really sort of hopeful stories but talk a little bit about that if you will sure uh one story we're doing today came from a pitch um and it's a poll that's about uh male body positivity and male body image and so it's not incredibly newsy today um but it's uh, something that came in as a pitch. Uh, this poll was just done, mm-hmm. and uh, we thought it was interesting. It, you know, kind of fits the brand. It gets into mental health and well-being, yeah. and um, it was a successful pitch for us that we picked up. Oh, that's interesting. And I would say uh, we found it interesting. It, you know, it, it felt pretty new, pretty mm-hmm. fresh. Yeah. Uh, the results uh, it felt very much on brand, and uh, so it's something that we decided to move forward with. Wow. So I think those are kind of good guidelines. Interesting. Um, tell me something new. Tell me something I didn't know before mm-hmm. that surprises me. I think that's always good. Um, when pitching a poll or a study, uh, it's good to be really upfront with the methodology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how did you get these results? I think um, that's a good point. Because we want to make sure that it's uh, robust mm-hmm. and that we're going to be able to explain the results transparently right well i think that's important for anybody pitching a poll these days too is that having that methodology you know right up front how it's come together because otherwise you're going to get asked and if you don't have the answer um you could look foolish and the, the the pitch can fall flat too um i think too the other uh the other part of that is if you're talking about um image and and sort of people's perspective certainly timely for the holidays right because no, no time like now when folks are starting to say like, here we go, all the great foods and all the great drinks yeah. and all the great opportunities there are out there. Uh, everyone will be especially, especially concerned about, about that as we sort of head into the holiday season. 
How does that overeating? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, How do you guys, because so many of the, and maybe people that are listening and don't know this, but you and I do, um, many of the, you know, Capitol Hill publications really sort of uh, operate on a schedule that is uh, reflective of uh, the operating of of Congress. So sometimes when, you know, and like for August, for instance, um, many of the publications that cover Capitol Hill uh, slow their publication and or, you know, sort of bend and flex based on what's happening in terms of recess and otherwise. Is that true too for you guys? Do you follow sort of the Hill's natural sort of flow or are you specifically looking for materials and continuing to, to offer content uh, regardless of the, the uh, calendar on Capitol Hill? Uh, the Hill, the larger Hill follows the calendar pretty closely. Yeah. We don't quite as much mm-hmm. uh, since we are our own newsroom. Um, we are always open to good ideas. That makes sense. How has, um, because of that, how has the, the pandemic affected your reporting? Like, is your team in the newsroom now or is everybody still remote? How does that look for you guys? We're still all remote. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely had uh, impacts on us. Um, and I think we're doing a pretty good job remote. I think uh, yeah. a lot of us have come to kind of like it quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are some advantages kind of getting back to that article that we covered, mm-hmm. <laughs> there are some advantages to working remote. Um, it has been a challenge with some of the live events that we typically cover, um, you know, in the past. Of course, a lot of that stuff isn't happening. Yes. And uh, relationships have to be built a little bit different way, mm-hmm. um, you know, online um, among the staff. And then, of course, between the staff and people pitching us or people recovering. Yeah, so everybody's had to work. rethink that a little bit. It's been, I mean, it's part of the reason why I started the podcast because I felt like there were a lot of folks who really wanted to get their, you know, I've had a combination of two kinds of people connect with me once I launched the po- launched the podcast. Folks that were sort of new to Capitol Hill who didn't have the opportunity to go to coffee or get to know um, a member of the media. And also for members of the media who are, you know, trying to, expand out and, and connect with other people that are in their space gives them a little better visibility um, in terms of, if, of receiving pitches that make really good sense. Uh, you know, here we are, we're the Friday reporter, we're living in a pandemic. Uh, everybody's kind of figuring out what to do and what to see and where to eat and uh, all of those things. Uh, like the dog that's barking in the back, like when it's turned for her to get a walk, <laughs> what kinds of, uh, when you're not reporting on good news and, uh, stories about changing America, uh, do you have any favorite, uh, either restaurants or books or recommendations, uh, for the audience today? Right now, I'm reading uh, kind of a local classic called uh, Beautiful Swimmers. Oh. It's about the Chesapeake Bay. Cool. Um, so I could definitely recommend that. Um, it's a Pulitzer Prize winner. And just started to go out to uh, have a little bit of a social life again. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the team uh, actually met for a happy hour for the first time in about two years, wow. um, which is great. We went to Franklin Hall in uh, D.C., and had a great time. It's you have to be vaccinated to get entrance, mm-hmm. uh, which we all felt kind of good about. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot a of that. There. There's a lot. Not not so much in D.C., but there. I have just I just did a trip up to uh, New York, and everywhere I went, I had to show my vax card. So there's a lot of that too, especially oh, for for yeah. It's it definitely gives a little bit of a of a confidence when you're walking into a building, just to kind of know if you're going to be close quarters with folks that that that's uh, at least somewhat reassuring. 
Um, and Franklin Hall. Well, I don't, I don't know that one, but I'll definitely have to track it out. What um, do you have any? The one thing that I've noticed during the pandemic is that there have been a lot of folks that have started jobs during the pandemic um, and are trying to figure out because our business is so social and we are, you know, here you are, you're two years in and you're getting together. Um, are any of your teammates, uh, have any of your teammates joined or, or left during the pandemic in that time? It's kind of a wild thing to think about to be changing virtual jobs where your desk is still the same, but your work is different. Yeah, we've had several employees both start and leave during the pandemic. And uh, there's some that I've worked with for months that I had never met before, uh, before last week. Well, as we get to uh, the final part of our uh, conversation, Brian, I was wondering, is there uh, a journalist or someone in the media space that you think might be a good guest for a future episode? Um, I'd actually like to nominate my wife. She's uh, Christine Delamore. She's a fantastic editor at National Geographic. That would make the second wife that was nominated. I love that. That's awesome. Great idea. Uh, in fact, just uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a journalist from Defense One nominate his wife, who is at Politico, and they've both been guests on the show. So I will reach oh, out cool. to Christine. I love that. Power couple number two, because that's, I mean, there's nothing better. Um, how, did you meet in journalism or did you become? We did. Uh-huh. We met at Natio. Awesome. Well, good. Well, thanks so much for that recommendation. I can't wait to talk to her and get her perspective too. Brian, it was really a treat to have you today. Thanks so much for being with me. Thank you. And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. Hi, my name is Joe Grogan. And I'm Eric Ulan for DCEKG. DCEKG is all about the how and why of Washington, D.C., what's going on, what's going on behind the headlines. We spend a lot of time talking about healthcare and economic policy, but frequently delve into trade policy and sometimes national security or whatever's happening on Capitol Hill. Between Joe and I, we have nearly five decades of Washington experience. We put that to work with our guests to explain to you what's going on in Washington. I always found myself calling Eric when I didn't understand what was happening and always found him to be really good at explaining to me some of the things that I wasn't seeing. And I hope our guests will get the same type of insights. I always found myself talking to Joe when I couldn't believe what I was seeing happening to understand exactly how the heck we got to where we were. Tune in to DCEKG anywhere podcasts or YouTubes are available. You won't regret it.